Hello, everybody. Welcome to the No Breaking Podcast. We're here, actually. We've dropped out, and we're on location. Thanks to the wonderful guys at Race Service. Who Do they know they're hosting us tonight? I uh, told not Jacob know. that it was going to be happening, but I didn't say about tonight or which night it would well, be. Well, they, they'll find out eventually, and that's the sure. important thing. So anyway, I've got the uh, wonderful superstar mechanic, I would say, uh, Mike Coley. Thank you. Thank you so much, one, for making the time, because I know you're a very, very busy man juggling many, many different projects Yeah, of all size and shape at this moment in time, it seems like. Yeah, it has been very interesting. The last year, um, I've been doing more uh, building and customizing the, not only my own shop, but then the shop here for race service. So it's a lot of work not car-related, which has been very interesting. Um, a lot of trial and error, but uh, it's good. Well, so if we take a step back then, because obviously we've, for people that have listened to the podcast occasionally, they also heard that we've done the, the race service team here, sure. where we had uh, James, Jacob, Andy, and Nikai here well, to have a chat about race service. But why don't we go back to understand where how you got into this automotive world and how that all started? What was the, the driving factor that pushed you in this direction in the first place? Okay. Um, I mean, it goes way back. My dad, when I was younger, uh, got my brother and I a four-wheeler, like a little off-road, um, two-wheel drive, 80cc Suzuki thing. And I just became addicted to sliding it and going way too fast and uh, mostly through the woods. And then when I got a little bit older, my dad moved to Slovakia and, and I was actually able to go to a carts um, training center mm -hmm. and learn the basics of driving. So that's what really drove me to, to be involved with cars. Um, as I got older, I didn't think of cars as a, a way of income. Uh, so I went on to school and became uh, went and studied electrical engineering and worked for power plants. But I just really was not happy in that. And then I had a roommate who called me out on it one day. He's like, Mike, I do something with cars. Like every time you talk about it, your eyes just light up. And thankfully, the electrical engineering and electrical background helped me immensely with the new ways that cars are, are being built and programmed uh, to have a good eye for diagnostic ability, which um, – a lot of techs are mechanics who learn electronics. I was an electrician who learned to be a mechanic. Uh, so, And then from there, it just took off. So where was it? Uh, did you do any schooling then behind it, or how did that all come about? After you did your uh, engineering, right. where did you then go to do any mechanic, or was that all hands-on kind of work where you were picking that up there? I worked when I was 16. I bought a Toyota MR2, like second gen from a a junkyard mm -hmm. and then uh, I just got ripped off so many times by different shops that eventually I'd started doing some of the work myself and a great Toyota Master Tech that had built a little shop there in North Carolina Toys Unlimited in Burlington's amazing um, he recognized uh, a little bit of talent there and took me under his wing and trained me um, back in 2003 and 2004 uh, of course then I went on to school but I took that little bit of knowledge and when I got Back into cars later, I thought, well, I had been fixing friends' cars. Um, so I was like, all right, I'm just going to start on Craigslist at first. And that's really as simple as it was. It was just like a lot of people in lower-income areas hiring me, and it was a lot of figuring things out. Uh, but again, fortunately, with the computers and the programming, uh, a lot of cars now kind of point you in the right direction. And so from there, I went on and I got noticed by Ogara Coach and 
Los Angeles and was hired for Bentley and then later on for Lamborghini and uh, went through the, uh, some of that tra training program. Um, but most of it was just through that original tech and being kind of self-taught, finding the answers. So how did it go then from going, say, from Craigslist and, and shopping your wares on there where you wouldn't know what car you'd turn up with to going the next day and being like, well, we're going to give you the keys to this Bentley to try and figure out right. what the problem. How, what was the sort of the change level there? How did it sort of figure out? Well, um, the good thing about being on Craigslist is that when I go, I, ha I would require to take a deposit up front because I often found I would come, start looking at the car, tell them what was wrong, and then they wouldn't pay me. Yeah. But once you've taken a deposit, then now the pressure is on you. You've got money. You've got to pay for your time and gas to get there. So, uh, And not only that, but you've got the customer standing there watching you. And these no are pressure. not like blue, no white-collar guys. These are big dudes that are trying to save money and not happy if you're wasting it. So, um, but thankfully because of that, when I went to uh, Ogara, I was able to operate with uh, other techs and supervisors watching me and still be able to think clearly. Um, and, um, but the, but the thing about going to Ogara is at Ogara, I'm just a technician, mm -hmm. uh, that, um, is very basic. It's there's something wrong. You can do some diagnostic and look into it if it's an oil leak, if it's something simple, a, a creak or a sound. But if it becomes something like a vehicle is overheating and we don't know why, then you submit what you've done to the factory. The factory tells you what tests to do. You submit those tests and then they, they tell you what to do the whole way. Um, you're not allowed to go in for yourself and make um, recommendations really. Uh, so I just felt like I've I like to lead. I like to be innovative. And so I was kind of disappointed with that as well as, you know, when you're the newest tech, you get a lot of the warranty creaks. And so if you don't know, technicians often work on a commission basis. And so if a job, uh, whatever job you're doing, it pays six hours. If you can do it in four, great. The problem with creak noises for warranty work is they only pay two hours and it does not take two hours to find a creak in an aluminum body car so i would work for six eight hours and then get paid for two hours and then get told at the end of the week you know you're not coming close to your quota for hours so it was very frustrating i was like not making money and not being able to make the decisions i wanted so but on the other side you know i was driving Astons and Rolls and Bentleys and Lambos every day. and Which has some perks, obviously. It's oh, kind yeah. of fun. It was a lot of fun. Um, a little nerve-wracking on some of the cars. I remember I had to like load a Veneno onto transport, and I remember just like every sound just made me cringe that I had possibly scratched or Yeah, or I can imagine there's no pressure involved in doing something like that. Yeah. But I mean, with the, like the Huracans, especially the Lamborghini um, press cars, they, those would go out to press things. And when they came back, we had to get them hot, test everything, make sure everything was good. So there were days where I would just have like, hey, there's four press cars. Just go through your checks. That's all you're doing today. And I would just run down the tin to PCH, ride up PCH a little bit, rip it back and check tires and brakes and those were pretty easy, fun days. Yeah, I can imagine yeah. it's not too bad when they give you the keys and say, look, just, just go out there for an hour or two and just see how it goes. The first day, I couldn't believe it. They're like, Here, you have these three cars to go test drive. And I was like, what? That's You're not going to start me sweeping floors or something? <laughs> I don't know if the people who own these cars know that they have these – well, they're very good techs. Yeah. But 
It's, it's interesting. So then where was it that you decided to like move away from like working for a dealership and then go out on your own? What was like the, 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 the straw sort of that broke the camel's back? Well, what was the transition point, I should say? Um, I was trying to run a small shop on the side because I, I knew what my monthly bills were. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going from making about, you know, 35 an hour for myself because of, you know um, – and that that wasn't going to my personal income. It was paying a lot of the expenses of what was happening. But I went from that to the minimum tech wage, which was like twenty one an hour at the time for a tech. So, and on top of that, I was sitting in the rush hour traffic to and from work. So it even cut down even more. Uh, so I ended up losing my apartment. I couldn't uh, afford to keep it, and so. I was renting some sketch spot that was like a month-to-month deal, and I remember just starting to get more and more stressed as my t- finances got tighter. And and they had told me when I got hired, you know, after three months, you'll go into a commission base, and your potential's up to you. But again, being the new tech on a brand like Lamborghini that sits in garages most of the time, uh, I never saw commission after. Like, I think I was there for like eight months before I decided I have to, you know find other work and so um what happened is i was with uh I, when i first moved to los angeles i was like doing some acting on the side mm-hmm. and i'd gone to test it out with some acting school and a gentleman named roland buck um i was in class with with one of my best friends who also went to the school and we all became friends and uh he literally hit me up right at that time saying hey you know i just booked a regular reoccurring role on the network tv show and i have these movies coming up so i need to my accountant tells me i need to invest in some business as a tax to help with taxes and uh, he said you've been coming to my house to fix my car my my wife's car or my girlfriend's and my mom's and everyone's cars so i want to help you open your own shop where you do this mobile mechanic thing and possibly get an app going or something like that and he's like i really believe in you and and I can see what he said is I can see God in you in your life, and so it's the safest investment I can make. And I was really flattered by that. And so I took the what what it turned out to be just a small amount of money, um, and I and I opened a little shop. Uh, literally half the money went into putting the lift in and paving the floor and painting and putting electric in. Uh, and then, because funnily enough, not everything comes pre-prepared. Oh, I thought, you know, they, and that's the way they sold me the property. Like, it's ready to go. Just come right in well, and yeah, pop the lift in. Ready to go. Yeah, no. we. I was sweeping the floors up when we were getting ready to put the lift in, and I saw, like, carved into the pavement August 12th, 1942. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no, this is not going to be good. And sure enough, the lift guys came and were like, dude, this is – you can't put a lift on this. You're going to have a $200,000, $600,000 car on this lift. You're – going to lose one of these cars one day so uh that was like i think my my loan was 15 grand from him and i had about five saved myself and uh 5500 of that went to just the floor yeah and so it was it was pretty tight but i mean i can't i don't know how it all worked um i have to thank a lot of i mean honestly i i'm a prayer guy i'm a prayer meditation and just like letting the creator, you know, kind of guide everything. And it's unreal. That's how I met the guys here at Ray Service. I was buying lifts from them and, um, and I saw a passion for them. I had no idea the scope that they were working on. They would tell me we're some small startup that's just trying to get things together like you. And so we kind of worked together and helped each other out. And then, yeah, my business did well and their business has done well. Um, it's been a really exciting 
process. Sure. So, so what's the transition when you came over to help the guys here at Race Service? What have you actually been doing and what have you been working on? Right. So when I first came, uh, they just needed some help uh, wrapping some toolboxes to make them color match what had been de donated to their shop. So I offered to do that and I was watching what was going on here and they watched the way that I worked, the attitude that I had, I guess, and, and James um, uh, asked me to take on the responsibility of building this glass wall here. And they had had a welder make the frames, but they just needed someone to head up building them, painting them, setting the glass. And so I was like, all right, well, I don't know how to build a wall, but I'll, I'll do give my it a best. shot. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so we did that. And then they were like, hey, your electrician, can you put in 220 for our welders and for our lifts and stuff like that? And so the next thing you know, I was. Uh, if I wasn't doing it directly, they were asking me for someone who could do it, and I was referring contacts that I had made and along the way. So, uh, yeah, like that's where the non-car-related stuff comes into play. And you're still doing some of that now as I look out and have a, uh, have a seat yeah. out there. I'm very fortunate to have uh, Dominic from Dominant Engineering uh, been introduced to me through these guys, and they're hiring him to do a lot of work. And I've learned so much about what goes into fabricating and mm -hmm. welding. And, I mean, he's just a master. I've decided to abandon my attempts at being a master of that and i'm focusing now more on the programming and like tuning side um so that we can complement each other in the space uh but yeah i'm very fortunate to be with him and so i just lend a hand as much as i can he really takes the lead on most of the the building and then what about some of the car stuff that you've been working on here uh so the stuff that i've worked on here uh they bought a 348 um, it needed a little bit of fixing up. Mm -hmm. uh, I had never worked on the 348, but it's a pretty basic motor uh, and computer system. So I was able to find a lot through contacts I've made in the industry to get like proper diagnostic procedures. So I did some stuff with that. Um, did some uh, stuff for, uh, they had a Raptor that we did like a custom in intercooler setup, chip and exhaust. Uh, then of course the Kia Red Bull Venture with the Forte, the drift car. I was able to take um, like a project leader for them on that and coordinating the body guy to come in and making sure that he did what matched the rendering and and then fabricating some other things I got to be a part of. Um, so that's been really exciting. I mean, it's a different side. These The drift thing is something I never followed until RS and it's just, I thought it was a sideshow act and then I went to a Formula Drift thing and it is just insane. I would encourage anyone to go. It's just an amazing culture at the at the events. Yeah, everyone's incredibly nice. Yeah, they're very friendly, very it's happy to even, be there. Even competing, they're still very nice to each other. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, they've got a great, I mean, the fans and the drivers, they're great guys. And I'm, I'm really impressed with can that you, whole. I was going to say, can you talk about any other stuff that you're going to be working on? Or do you know what you're going to be working on? Um, so, yeah, there's a, I'm not exactly sure what the new, what their new projects are. I mean, I have my, my own things at my shop. Um I'm trying to get a build together for SEMA. Okay. Um, so that's like one thing I'm working with Dom on. Uh, there's there's uh, a few projects that I've made through context through RS, but as far as RS directly, there's just been a few ideas of um, like possible shows of um, restoring some things or building some new things. So I'm waiting to see what happens with that. I think right now we're trying to finish out the space. Sure. And then can you tell us a little bit more about your potential SEMA build that you've got going on there? Oh, yeah. So um, it's uh, – I don't want to say too much, but it, it's uh, – last year, SEMA was an amazing experience. Uh, one thing I noticed though, was, a, was a lot of um, just hardcore builds, you know, something that you really couldn't live with, but they 
were great builds, but in LA, especially with the streets, you couldn't do anything with it. So I decided to take like an exotic power plant, put it in uh, like an Italian power plant in a German chassis and, and then create like a good all around car that you can drive Monday through Friday. You can take business meetings or go to business meetings and, and not look like a rice or I guess would be like the kind of um, slur slang for it. But at the same time, uh, you know, pop a button or push the remote and then have it set down and firm up and kind of get more aggressive for the weekend. So uh, I'm excited about that. I, I hope it works out. I hope, I hope it gets received well. Certainly. So what is, is this a case of now you're sort of trying to find sponsors and things to work with to put that project together then? Um, some of it, uh, it's amazing. Some of it has come through already. I'm excited about that. I'm waiting on uh, the renderings from the designer. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm very fortunate to get to work with Lindsay Ross, who friend of the podcast, the, yeah. Oh yeah, excellent. So um, I, I I did a um, an engine out service for his Lotus that he bought. Yep. And uh, I said, you know what, Lindsay, as in, like instead of you paying me for this time, I would much more value you putting that same amount of time that I'm putting into your car into a design for me. So uh, I've got his word that he's doing that, and I'm excited to see what. Um, what comes out? I'm, I really like his his work. Uh, so um, I've got that. I've got a leather supplier already on board to do the interior. I've got an interior guy that's going to do that. I've got a body man that needs some work done on the car, so we're going to do some trades. Uh, I need brakes and suspension, but um, I've kind of on the. I've, I'm I, I really have a unique design for a suspension that I would like to do myself mm -hmm. uh, with a with a company. So we'll see what happens with that, but. Uh, once this rendering comes through, I, I already have the motor. It's at the machine shop now getting put together. Um, once I think I have that, I think it'll be more of a proof of concept and it'll be much more uh, appeasing to sponsors. So Certainly. certainly. And I had a quick question if we hark mm -hmm. back to your days on Craigslist. Sure. Was there anyone when you get a message or like a phone message or an email about a certain particular car that you're like, oh, no, don't mm -hmm. make me come? No. Uh, PT cruisers don't touch them. Okay, <laughs> timing belt on a PT cruiser is a just a nightmare. Um, let's see, uh, Volkswagens in general are just difficult. Um, if a module goes bad, which I think like the G, the Golfs had like a ABS module that mm -hmm. would fail, and you can replace it easily, but then programming it onto the car, if you can retrieve the old coding from the old unit. And try to implement it to the new one. You you've got to spend a couple hours on forums looking for the access codes to get into to allow you to code, and then the proper code based on which year and model and the serial number of the ABS you're using. So, yeah, that always like was kind of a dread. Um, any of the Range Rovers that, like or. Um, like the Ford models and up with the Ford five liters, just don't, if it's got a problem, just stay away. The, you can't get axles out. They rust into the hubs, the motor, you basically have to take the body off to get the motor out. It, it requires a specialty tool to pull the injectors, a specialty tool to disconnect the flywheel. It's like, it's just not worth it. And the dealer knows it too. So usually the people you find on Craigslist looking for work, I mean, they know what the prices are and... Um, they will offer you some very tempting money to work on it. And I've taken that bait before and it's just not worth it, not been happy for anyone involved. So, 
So with that being the case, if anyone's wanting to find you, Mm-hmm. Uh, to find either about your other projects or what you're up to or try and squeeze some work into your garage that you've got there, what's the best place then to find you? Uh, so if you want to check out my work, um, I have two main venues for that. It's uh, basically Instagram through The Hollywood Mechanic on Instagram or also online at The Hollywood Mechanic or HollywoodMechanic.com. Uh, and uh, Yeah. And oh, I have one more question because obviously you're not just a mechanic; you also like to do other things. So I know you do some of the. You like to ride the bikes occasionally, which we've got to touch on as well. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I I'm a huge um, street bike or sport bike fan. Uh, I had a Gixxer 1000 for a long time. I've had a, a Multistrada, and um, which is like a crossover. But uh, the S1000R is what I have my sights on next. But yeah, a huge bike fan. And you do like to do the track time as well. Yeah, actually, I've. Pretty much all done, only done track time now. Um, I, I rode only on the street for years, but I've just, I've been hit like five times in the last six years Which in Los is, Angeles. isn't really ideal. Let's be honest. No, it's not fun. No, I um, can't imagine it would be. No, and I know it's just a matter of time before you get hit into oncoming traffic and something really bad happens or something like, something like that. So um, the it's just much more fun on the track because I've got no fear of going down. If I if I push it too hard, I can just stand the bike up and run, run off into the dirt and slow down. And um, I don't even have to lay the bike down, you know. Whereas it, there is an adrenaline rush. To, I, I've definitely been in spots where it was re- got really sketchy and – when you come out of it, it's like the you you can't feel more alive than that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, if it didn't work out, you would not be alive at all. Maybe so. Yeah, which is why we're glad that it, it has worked out all in your favor so far. Even though yeah. times you have had a little knock, so you can hear and chat today. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And the wonderful Dom as well behind you, who looks oh, yeah. incredibly restful right now. Oh yeah, he's had a tough tough day today. Poor guy gets uh, he doesn't like to sleep. If I'm working, he he wants to know what's going on. Are you going to leave me here? (laughs) So that's something we're working on. But thankfully, now that we're having an interview, he's going to take a nice nap. Well, that's okay. Well, on that note, we better let up so he can have a little lap for a little longer. Mm -hmm. But, Mike, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, so anyone, see you next time. Bye-bye.